Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. You often hear about COVID 19 eventually becoming endemic. Well, we were curious, what exactly would that mean? How do we approach that as a society? To get some answers, we caught up with Dr. Seth Wells. He is a professor of epidemiology at Drexel University's Dornsife School of Public Health. So to start to kind of set the table for our discussion, we have all become very familiar with the term pandemic, but we have started to hear eventually endemic. Define endemic for me as opposed to a pandemic. Endemic is a background rate. It's kind of an an expected ongoing background rate. And it makes the assumption that the particular virus or pathogen is not gonna fully disappear. That there's gonna be a rate of of infections that'll continue over time. That's different than a pandemic where there are sort of outbreaks in large regions all over the globe. So when we talk about endemic, we will talk about endemic rates say within the United States, or you can talk about perhaps within certain states. So are we tracking to get to a point where COVID-19 is endemic? And if so, are we close to that point? Well, we're not close to the point. If you look at the new cases every day, it's extraordinarily high still. We are on our way down, that is for sure. To get to an endemic rate, hopefully, we would have a very low number of daily cases, uh, you know, perhaps less than 10,000 cases. That seems like a lot, but nationally, you know, that is not such a terrible thing, Uh, especially if, in fact, cases are not producing really severe disease or deaths. So when it came to the pandemic, I think it was the World Health Organization that declares we are in a pandemic. You know, there is a declaration Is there something similar to where a a body says we have officially entered, we consider COVID-19 now to be endemic, or is it going to depend on where you are, depend on who you listen to? I think it's the latter. I mean, I don't think someone is going to like label it. Now we're in our endemic phase. What will happen is people will make the observation that there's a low, steady rate of infection. And of course, there will be peaks. There will be outbreaks that'll occur. And, you know, all bets are off if if a new variant sweeps through our country. Okay. And so this is this is really based on the fact that we are developing wide um, immunity to Omicron right now. Okay. And so the cases are really dropping significantly. The reason we're doing it is more people are getting vaccinated and there is a lot of protection from vaccines, roughly half the cases, you know, half the rate uh, among those who are vaccinated, but also people are getting infected. And as a result, they have some immunity from infection from, you know, natural immunity. And so overall, the number of susceptible people are dropping. And that's why our case rates are dropping. But again, if if a new variant sweeps through that evades immunity, then we're going to have another wave of cases. So let's assume for a moment a scenario which is more positive, which we hit an endemic stage or a point where COVID-19, we haven't gotten rid of it, but it is endemic. 
-hmm. is life for the most part back to normal or are we still kind of you know we still recommend you wear a mask and stuff like that well it's going to be a new normal we're we're never going to be going back I, i don't think to sort of the stage we were in where you just didn't even have to think about it, you know, and you could just sort of go out anywhere. Um, what's going to have to happen is people are going to have to think about if they have a cold, staying at home, not working. If their kids have a cold, keeping their kids at home. And not only for the kids with the symptoms or for the adult, but also not to spread it. And so I think our, our culture should move to that. That, that, that sort of zone. Um, so it's not going to be the same old normal, number one. Number two, if there tend to be some regional increases like waves or outbreaks, people are going to have to really rethink about, you know, walking about, going in enclosed areas, not going in, in enclosed areas, actually, and wearing masks. I think we're going to be living with masks, you know, as a tool. People should think of it as a tool to really prevent the spread of infection. So uh, I, I think the normal will be a new normal, to be quite frank with you. So it will be different from flu season. We, can, we can't approach it like a flu season where, all right, flu's bad this year, or flu's not that bad, but it, it's there and you kind of make your choices based on you know what you know about who's got the flu and how many people are sick. People are going to make their choices no matter what. And so people are extremely, extremely fatigued from COVID right now, and they're going to make their choices. But if, in fact, they really wish to limit infection, the spread of infection, if it should get hot again, there's, you know, there are outbreaks or regional, you know, rises, spikes, then they should think about the use of masks in enclosed areas limiting their exposure to lots of people in enclosed areas, things like that. Um, but people are going to do what they're going to do, you know? So, and I, I get it. I mean, you know, I'm an epidemiologist, infectious disease epidemiologist, and I'm tired of it too. But then again, I see the importance of it and why we have to do it. What are the things, and you've talked about the tools and you talked about being indoors in enclosed areas. Are there other things we should stress to people for how to approach life with COVID-19 as something that's endemic? Well, not to be afraid, not to be afraid, but to be mindful, to really be mindful of where they're going, what are going to be their activities with their family, their immediate family that lives in their residence, or if you know they don't have a family where, where they're going. And uh, basically go from there. You know, ask yourself, am I going to an area of the country where there's currently some sort of rise in the number of cases? You know, what does that mean for me? Should I not go into bars? You know, number one, should I remain as much as I can outdoors? Things like that. You know, um, because really, in the end, there's a lot of risk mitigation behaviors that work. We know it works. Not only masks, but really physically distancing yourself from other people and not being in a very kind of person dense situation. And so we can use that if in fact you're traveling and if in fact you're going to an area that that is that has more cases. It's interesting because you talked about how you get it 
you're tired of it. We're all tired of it. How much does the length of this pandemic and the way it's been politicized and used as a, a political weapon, a cultural weapon, how much does that hurt the idea of asking people or telling people to, to approach this in a sensible, smart way from the endemic standpoint when when there's not a bunch of cases and it's not, you know, code red at hospitals and stuff like that. Uh, that's a pretty we're, we're talking a, a tough hill to climb, aren't we? Yes. Yes. It doesn't help. It doesn't help that there are 500 plus Internet sites that are giving, you know, disinformation, misinformation about infection, about the need for vaccination, things like that, the use of masks, um, you know, now it doesn't help at all. And so I can guarantee you that if we want to get a, a good public health message out there of how to limit the spread, there's going to be all these people who are going to say, you know, everyone around me is healthy, nothing is spreading, why do we have to do this? You know, um, when in fact, there may be some indication that cases are on the way up and we, we really want to limit the spread. There are definitely, I mean, these are definitely risk mitigation steps that really have a sound basis in public health practice and, you know, infection prevention. And so um, it is really a shame that it has been politicized. And I think everybody knows people, you know, who, who we think don't have it right, you know, who, who have uh, misinformation about this infection or prevention. I mean, I have, you know, extended family members myself, you know, and they don't ask me for advice, you know. So um, it's really hard and it's going to be very hard. And unfortunately, I, I think what will really change people's hearts and minds is going to be personal experience of people who get sick. That usually works. And I think that's what's what's happening. People are seeing people get infected, even though it's relatively moderate or mild symptoms, and they don't they don't want to be infected. And there are more people getting vaccinated. The rates, the rates are up there. You know, uh, basically, if you look at uh, well, if you look at people 65 years of age and older, 88% are fully vaccinated. Okay, and in the United States, of people who are fully vaccinated, I think it's sort of like 41% or 40% have already been boosted. So people are getting it. And I think it's experience they're having with people who get sick. And I, I know that works. Sad, but true. Um, and I think that's going to be the experience of people. When we get to the point where we're talking about a COVID-19 that's endemic, do you anticipate, does the science point towards a COVID shot becoming kind of part of our basic self-help uh, protocol every year, like a flu shot? Um, I believe so. I've been saying that for about half a year now, that because there are new variants that sweep across uh, and can evade prior immunity or your immunity goes down. And we know that's the case, that a person's you know, immunity, antibody response, the neutralization goes down over time, that people will be encouraged to go in, I believe, for an annual, you know, COVID shot. And uh, 
It may be the same variants. It may include some new variants, some new strains that are making its way in our, in our society. And um, it's not a big deal. It's going to be offered by I, I, same outlets as always, not only clinics, but pharmacies. People will just go in and I can see going in for a twofer, you know, going in for your, your flu shot and going in for your COVID shot at the same time. And not a big deal because again, you know, these are, these are, these are very, very transmissible viruses and you don't want to be infected. So that's the way to do it. It's interesting because I was never in the past a big flu shot guy. I wasn't against it. It just wasn't something that I thought of. I was lucky I don't get sick very often uh, when I do. It's relatively passing. But now the last two, three years, you know, first time I've gotten a flu shot or first time I see a doctor and they offer it, I take it. I don't I don't think twice is there. And I hate to use the term silver lining in something where hundreds of thousands of people have died. But one of maybe the offsprings is maybe people take these things more seriously, these simple things that public health people have been throwing at us for decades uh, and just kind of incorporate them more into uh, how we operate. Uh, absolutely. And I've also said that recently that I think a silver lining of the COVID pandemic has been that people are much more focused on vaccination. And I think they, they see the benefit. Of 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 per, that type of prevention with flu with flu, and so I mean last year we had a relatively mild flu season, but that's because everybody was locked inside or using masks. And you know if you're going to wear a mask and you're distancing yourself from people, guess what? You're not going to catch flu, and you're not going to transmit flu as easily. And so as a result, we had a relatively mild flu season. So it's going to be sort of the same thing, but I think people are really focused on vaccines. And the, you know the 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 uh, sort of the benefit in the case of the COVID vaccines keeps you from getting very sick or dying. That's the big deal with them. Um, and people have to realize that it may not keep you from getting infection, although there there is really evidence that it really does cut the infection rate by half. Okay, but at the same time, it really does. A marvelous job at keeping you from getting severe infection or, or or dying. I've heard talk, and I don't know if this is off topic, but the idea of eventually when Omicron hit, there was a big all kinds of stories. Oh, can we get an Omicron uh, vaccine to specifically? And they said, yeah, but it'll take a couple months. And, you know, I've also heard talk, though, kind of so we don't have to do that dance development of a vaccine that kind of covers all corona viruses how realistic is that and if it is realistic is it something we're going to see come to fruition relatively soon you think i don't know if it's relatively soon but i know it's going on the u.s army is is really hot on the trail of a uh, you know a, a vaccine that cuts across co different covid variants uh i know other there are university groups like university of wisconsin madison that has been funded to also do that research as well. So I think there are university groups, and of course there's the U.S. Army that is, you know, hot on the trail of trying to get a uh, vaccine that cuts across uh, different 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 variants of the virus. And uh, it's tricky because they have to find uh, parts of the virus that are really conserved between different strains. 
and can be the target for for antibodies. So, but it's 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 in the process. When it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, I don't think, and I could be wrong. Because um, I I think right now I don't think human studies are happening yet. They may be, but uh, they're very very preliminary. Um, and so I, I, we shouldn't look for that vaccine anytime soon. But um, hopefully it'll be available to everybody to get. And uh, that will really, really cut down on infections ultimately. It's interesting when this all started, I thought one of the things we could see in the big picture was more of an appreciation for staying home when you're sick and not just in COVID, but in general, like there'd be more of a, because, you know, if you think about it, our our American society kind of encourages you to push through it and, you know, you still show up and, you know, and obviously that kind of goes again. It doesn't when you take a step back after living through a pandemic, you kind of look at it goes, boy, that's really silly. Anyway, I thought we would see that kind of mindset. And I got to be honest, I don't have any personal experience with this, but just anecdotally and reading things, I kind of feel like we're kind of slipping back to where I don't just don't don't tell them you're sick. Just just go ahead. We need you. We can't find a way to cover this shift. Uh, do you feel like we're kind of going back despite the pandemic still going on to that mindset? Boy, I can't really answer that question. I work with a network of uh, CEOs and business heads of different different companies. And um, I will tell you, they're extremely mindful about not letting people in who are sick of keeping infection out of the workplace. They are incredibly careful about it. So I'm not really sure about that because if in fact, you know, there, there are sort of large outbreaks of infection at a, a particular plant or, you know, company or building, it's gonna really affect the, the work output severely. So I think they're very mindful about that. So I can't talk about it, but it definitely has to be a partnership between the worker and the employer. You know, there has to be an understanding about that. And that's sort of what I think is going to be the new normal, should be the new normal in the future when we have uh, endemic COVID, is that um, when you are sick, you stay home. You do not bring your infection to the workplace. Your kids stay out of school. You do not bring it into the school so that it can then be spread from other kids back into their homes. It's going to be that's going to be the new normal, I hope, I hope. And when we get to a point of endemic COVID, COVID, are we talking kind of there will be, you know, winter will be a bigger threat than summer and life will be more, you know, be closer to normal in, in June and July than it is in December and January. It will be there will be certain kind of windows when we should really be on alert for it and other ones when we could maybe relax a little more. I believe so. You know, again, when we're in, well, it's really interesting. It depends on which part of the country you're in, because if you're in the deep South, guess what? They see, they see rising cases in, in the summer. And the reason is people are inside staying cool in the summer in the, in the deep South, in Florida. And so we don't see it here, but that regionally there are differences. But yes, whenever, and actually I should also say that winter air is drier. And particles can stay aloft and float through the air longer. And that includes, you know, particles from people breathing and with virus if they're infected. So there's 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 sort of two aspects to why winter is a 
kind of a period when, when there are more infections. One is the air itself. And physically, there you, you can get more uh, effective kind of a spread of, of particles. And the second also is that more people stay inside. And so they're, they're also at greater risk of being exposed. So, yeah, I think there will be regional variation. Yes. There are so many things about this pandemic that I have just been handled so wrong. We talked about the politicization and, you know, from day one, mistakes have been made. And yep. uh, we I feel like a lot of times we're arguing over the wrong questions and, and stuff like that. And uh, but do you feel like big picture for the most part? we have learned valuable lessons about dealing with a pandemic that will, if, you know, we have to go through this again for a completely different type of pathogen, uh, that will make it easier and, uh, we'll be able to do a better job. If we can harness the power of social media and sort of online resources, I think we'll be in a good place of getting the word out there. And if we can mobilize the resources necessary to prevent the spread, and that includes testing, if testing is important, uh, and and also uh, personal protective equipment such as masks, um, we'll be in pretty good shape. I, I think. I, I I think we really have learned quite a few lessons from this pandemic already. Yes, I, I agree with you. Getting back to the idea of endemic, how do you? When we get into a stage like that, what would be the best ways to kind of get the message across to people of now the case, case, cases are rising in our area. So you should do A, B and C. Um, Would it be something? I don't don't know, but a way to kind of get it across where it just becomes kind of a box people check in the morning or the beginning of the week and you kind of figure out how to do it then, whether it's a text from a a public health or something like that, but just kind of almost, and I don't, you know, like kind of how we deal with like allergies. Oh, it's going to be a bad week this week. So prepare, you know, stuff like that. Is there a way we can do that? Well, I think, I think again, instead of just the sort of bad allergies, we can talk really about virus outbreaks, you know, and, uh, and, and make it a tool. Not that it's some horrible thing, but it's really a tool to check, to sort of you know change your behavior, be be a bit safe for yourself and your family and for others. Yes, um, I would like to see that myself. Um, will we get there? I don't know. Remember also, viruses tend to attenuate over time. That is, they are not as virulent, and so it may very well be that other variants that are successful in spread are not as virulent. And why is the case? Because if a virus needs to be successful in spread, it can't be laying up people and killing people very quickly or else it doesn't spread. It doesn't get retained in sort of the the viral population. So from the perspective of a virus, it wants to spread to a lot of people. And uh, this this was a perfect virus for that. And while we have focused on the idea of it being endemic, is there a possibility we stamp out COVID-19 over the next few years, or is that window closed? No, it's always a possibility. I mean, there's always a possibility. I, I think we have a lot of challenges, one of which is there's, there is really a lot of vaccine and public health hesitancy, number one. Number two, we are a mobile world. 
And why I say that is because the other variants that will arise in other parts of the world can be brought you know, to the United States, can be brought to other countries. And so because we are so mobile, there is that possibility. Also, there are animal reservoirs of coronaviruses as well. We don't talk about it much, but there are, particularly bats, have uh, our reservoir for lots of coronaviruses and coronaviruses can jump species. So, you know, there's all these options for novel coronaviruses or mutant, you know, mutations and variants, and we're mobile. And so the virus gets around, travels with us. So there's lots of things standing in the way. That being said, there is the possibility we could stamp it out. The case rates could go way down. And this is, you know, there could be a very low number of susceptibles if, in fact, we don't have any new variants that wash ashore, you know, all of a sudden and spread in our country that evade former immunity. I think that's the key. So, I I mean, I can't really predict. Um, But I will say that, you know, endemic COVID looks like a less virulent strain you know, looks like relatively low but persistent rates of infections that can occur um, in different parts of the country, but overall uh, relatively low rates. Yeah. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.